And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining me on the line is Jason Blackmore, the director of the documentary Records Collecting Dust, which screens this upcoming Thursday at the Frida Cinema. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you for having me. Where did the idea of having legendary music figures talk about their music collections on film? Um, I had contemplated quite some time about trying to do a documentary. It was either, you know, going to be about motorcycles or music, both, both, uh, I love and appreciate, but I honestly just kind of one day woke up, um, with this idea of talking to people about basically talking to them about the bands and the music, the records, the songs that made them who they are today, you know, that, uh, made them pick the path and life that they chose. A lot of the people I talked to had a very big impact on me, so it's sort of a full circle, if you will. You know, um, People like Jello, Keith, Chuck Dukowski, Lisa Fancher, Kira from Black Flag, you know, those people changed my life, and I felt honored. But, the, you know, the idea of sitting in, in these people's living room or sitting in their house and talking to them about the the music that blew their mind, you know, that made them say, you know, I want to sing in a band, I want to play bass in a band, I want to start a record label, that kind of thing. That's basically the the idea, I guess. The film features a quite a collection of underground music uh, luminaries from a producing perspective. How hard was it to assemble the ensemble cast? Um, it obviously took some time. I won't lie to you there. Uh, a lot of text, phone calls, and emails, you know. Um, a few of these people I already knew, I was kind of friends with. Um, and then a few of them, like Jello, I spoke with his assistant for, I'd say, almost three months trying to set up the interview, and it wasn't even until the night before when we drove up to interview him in San Francisco uh, I didn't even know for sure if it was happening, you know, till the night before and his assistant, um, called me and said, it's a go. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't meet Jello until I rang his doorbell and he answered the door the next evening. But, uh, um, he was definitely, he was definitely a tougher one to, to get committed to it. And just honestly, because he's, he's got pretty, pretty much a crazy schedule. He, the guy keeps pretty busy, you know? So that was one of the reasons it was kind of tough, but I think some of the people, once they, you know, once I told them the whole idea about the film and what it was basically about, and then other people started joining in, it sort of snowballed. You know what I mean? People seemed genuinely interested in being involved, which I appreciate more than words can express. <laughs> As someone that's been a big fan of Joe Biafra for more than half of my life now, I was surprised that he would agree to a, to a film like this only because he doesn't like to seem to talk about himself that much. Yeah, I was kind of, I guess, surprised. He he was one of the big names, you know. I mean, everybody I interviewed uh, was very important to me. They make this film, they you know, made this film happen. But Jello is a household name, you know, and I was, I guess it was sort of a challenge, you know, once I tried to contact him. And then once I saw that there was a glimmer of hope that he would maybe be interested in doing it, you know, um, I took it as a challenge, I guess, sort of. But uh, he seemed to enjoy himself, you know, uh, just talking about the records. Like, for, you know, basically the, the first question I ask everybody is, what was the first record you owned? So if you can just stop and imagine that. And for a lot of these people, that's just, it's like, and go. You know, they just start talking. So Yeah. <laughs> um, he seemed to enjoy it and appreciate it. And 
you know, getting a little background with him and history. It was very, very odd to me to hear Jello Biafra talk about Creedence Clearwater Revival, uh, you know. <laughs> as well as up with people. What's that? As well as up with people. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Pretty strange, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, you- yeah, just especially, though, you know, uh, a lot of, I guess, classic rock, you know, obviously Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, uh these kinds of bands that are talked about, you know, I, I guess it makes sense. But when you're thinking about uh, Jello Biafra or Keith Morris and like the first impression those people had on me, I didn't picture Jello Biafra as a kid sitting there listening to CCR or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, that's how you got started? Okay. Yeah. What were the biggest surprises besides Jello listening to CCR as a kid? Um, that one really was, I think, just because... Uh, I don't know, a couple of those guys, Jello and Keith, you know, just being, like I said, people that made a really big impact on me and my life as a, as a young youngster, you know, um, hearing them talk about, I don't know, it's kind of like you think they're not like you and I, you know, that they're not, they weren't raised on the Beatles or Led Zeppelin, you know, I'm like, what avant-garde weird music did you grow up on? Why are you how you are today? Who, you know, so for them to just kind of basically... I don't know. I guess it was sort of like you you are human, you know. You guys are listening to the same stuff I grew up on basically. So Yeah. Um, were you surprised which, for, Oh, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I was, oh, no, I was just saying that again, the whole Jello CCR, that's the one that really like when I left his house was like, "Really? Credence Clearwater Revival." <laughs> <laughs> were you, were you surprised by Black Flag's Kara not collecting music at all almost? Um that was pretty awesome, actually. Uh, she <laughs> she kind of was like, I don't think you want me in a record-collecting movie. I was like, well, no. The, you know, I kind of explained it to her. I was like, it's not really about record collectors. You know, and I explained a little more about the whole idea of the film. And she was like, okay, that sounds cool. You know, I'm into it. But, uh, yeah, I think it was kind of weird, I guess. You know, she had a pile of cassettes on her floor, and she kind of, in the film, talks about, being on tour with Black Flag and how those guys would nerd out and want to go spend hours in record stores, you know, and she's like, basically, they're like a bunch of little girls is what she says. <laughs> going shopping, you know? um, but yeah, that was great actually interviewing her. The first time I ever saw Black Flag was the My War tour. So she was playing bass and I remember uh, talking to her at the merch booth. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. And I told her about that. She was like, you know, I just, when I first had, uh, approached her i was like i know you won't remember this of course but for me it was a big deal because seeing black flag was my first quote gig show you know whatever um but i was like i spoke with you at the merch booth afterwards i was like i know you don't remember but to me it was like a really huge thing (laughs) yeah yeah. like well that's cool (laughs) what was your first record uh my first record which i still have to this day was Jimi Hendrix Experience Smash Hits that my grandmother bought me for my birthday. Wow, hip grandma. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't... She never had a driver's license, so I know she didn't actually go out and buy it, but, you know, like, my mom probably bought it, and then my grandma wrapped it and gave it to me, and happy birthday. 
Yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons I love collecting uh, music myself is both the albums past and present tell a fascinating story about who we were in the, or who we are in the present and who we were. One of the most fascinating stories in the film in Collect Records Collecting Dust is of the seven albums a label called Black Forum released. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, with Pat? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a re- re- really interesting story when we when I spoke with him um cuz I, I didn't really know him. He was one of the the, you know, folks that I was like, "Okay, somebody else, I can't remember who told me about him, but they were like He's got a really interesting collection. You should talk to him. So when we chatted a little on the phone and what have you, um, he was totally into it. Um, it's sort of a, I think, kind of takes us off the path for a second with his um, collection, you know, the sounds of, I'm trying to remember, it's, I think it's called Listen Whitey. Yeah. The sounds yeah. of the black, black power movement. Yeah, he, uh, really interesting cat. He collected all these records and wrote a book about it, uh, stuff from the Black Power Movement, um, late, you know, late 60s, or in the 60s, 70s and stuff. Um, yeah, that was kind of a mind-blower, actually, and definitely, uh, was definitely educated a little bit on that whole scene, because <clears throat> I know nothing about it, to be quite honest, so... Um, yeah, I'm glad his segment made it to the film. There was actually a second where we weren't sure if it was going to fit or not, but... We thought it would be a nice break from the routine, if you will. So uh, very glad to have him participate. Yeah. If you're just joining us, I'm talking to Jason Blackmore. He's a director of a new documentary film called Records Collecting Dust. It opens this Thursday at the Frida Cinema in Santa Ana. Um, Midway through the film, you explore the various record retailers that had a major impact in the lives of the people being interviewed as well as the records themselves. What did you learn about the old retailers from Thrifties to uh, Moby Disc and Tower Records? Yeah, talking about those, uh, you know, I kind of was asking the people about the the record stores, you know, and some of them, uh, let's say a couple years older than me, you know, Chuck and Keith and these guys, uh, Danny Benair, um, telling me about the Thrifties, like the drug stores. I guess Thrifties maybe is the equivalent of what Rite Aid or Target or something today, you know, um, which was all news to me because I grew up in the Midwest. I'm not even from California. So hearing about all those record stores, a couple, a couple of them are still around today, like off the record down here in San Diego. Um, is, is Lou's still around down in Lou's? Yeah. Lou's I think is still around. They've, they, they used to be two buildings, but they're down to just the one building I think now, but they're still around. But yeah, it was very interesting you know, to me, I grew up with the record store. So talking to some of these guys about, you know, going to Sears or Thrifties or what have you back then is where they got their records, you know, um, which, I mean, I know I've, you know, I've been in retail type stores or what have you, and I guess they were carrying CDs, you know, (laughs) in the nineties, but to think that that's where these guys got their records is definitely kind of an odd, odd story. Because again, for me, Growing up in Kansas City, uh, there was a place called Rock Therapy, and it was the record store. You know, they had all the punk rock stuff. But obviously, we're talking about different uh, different times, you know. Yeah, and with our times, I just, you know, with the legacy that those stores left behind to the people that made that, you know, alternative music, let's just call that just as a cliche, right. but just it's not 
something that was normal back in the 80s. What do you think the legacy of the retailers are that we have today? Because it's not a brick and mortar thing where a record clerk just hands you this really awesome album that's going to change your life. It's kind of an not an interpersonal display. It's Amazon, Pandora, Apple. What do you yeah, think? eBay. What do you th- yeah, exactly. eBay. What do you think the legacy is for the future adults that shop this way for albums? Yeah, it's, it's very strange, and that's sort of uh, one of the points I was trying to make with the film, I guess, was trying to get across to younger folks, if you will, um, that don't know that experience. When I, when I would go to the place I mentioned, Rock Therapy, I discovered that place when I was 13, 14 years old. So we're talking 1983, 1984, and there was no internet. Um, I had heard the Sex Pistols. It blew my mind. And um, going in, you were, you know, I, I was just captured by the, the punk, sound. I didn't know at all what I was talking about, but somebody hit me to the decline of the Western Civilization soundtrack, so that was my first Oh, that's a good album. Yeah, so, you know, Black Flag right out of the gate, that seriously changed my life, and so I, at least I knew I could name some names when I went in the record store the next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, I, I know the Black Flag, I know of Fear, you know, um, but I started trying to buy records by those bands. Other than that, though, it was looking at a, a record and if the cover captured your your eye you know if it caught your eye and it looked interesting but you didn't know until you threw down five six bucks took this thing home and threw it on the turntable you didn't know what you're getting you know yeah and yeah. it's obviously a whole different world you know and you back then it was like you were the first kid you know you were the cool kid on the block if you you know were the first one that had the suicidal tendencies record or aggression or whatever band it was rkl you know it was like you would make a tape for your buddies, but you were the cool kid. You know, you were the guy that discovered the band. And uh, that's just, you know, doesn't happen now, obviously. Yeah. You can go on the internet and listen to anything and everything. And I don't know. It's just sort of sad, I guess, uh, is my take on it, to be honest. It's cool, I mean, in one way, because you can hear all kinds of music. And that's what music is. You know, it's, it's meant to be heard. I feel, um, but just the personal experience more so I don't think happens. And that's one of the messages I was definitely trying to kind of get across to people in the film. Yeah. What was the last record you bought? Oh, geez. You know what? Actually, the last record I bought was, uh, I got an original pressing of the, uh, Faith No More Real Thing record. Oh, wow. Yeah, one of the yeah. uh, one of the records somebody showed in that documentary, uh, Records Collecting Dust, that I really wanted and I was keeping an eye out for it, and I just kind of took my eye off the concentration off the internet, is Jimmy Page's Lucifer Rising soundtrack, the Kenneth Inger film. Because um, yeah. there's a Lucifer Rising soundtrack uh, floating around, but it was with the person that Kenneth Inger got to do after the Jimmy Page contact fell apart for Kenneth Inger. So I wanted the original, and... It's already super expensive, and I'm like rats. Yeah, I uh, that was cake. I think Carlos, he used yeah. to write for Flipside Magazine. Uh, super cool guy. Yeah, that was that was a. I had no idea what that record was all about at all until he was talking about it. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So, which well, which happened a few times, obviously in the film. Um, me getting schooled by some stuff, you know, these people talking about. Which is, again, that's music, right? You want to be exposed. You want to know about things. So Yeah, the, I kind of take Operation Ivy's uh, mantra to 
mind when I l- learn more about music is all I know is I don't know nothing. There's always more to find. There you go. That's what I love about yeah. music. Um, so yeah. any thoughts you want to leave off with before we say goodbye? Oh, no, I just would like to thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time, and we're, we've talked to Jason Blackmore. He's the director of the upcoming documentary that will be playing at the Frida Cinema this Thursday night called Records Collecting Dust, and you can find more information if you just Google Frida Cinema. Thanks for being on the show, Jason. Thank you so much. Have a great day.